Big Finish for the love of stories. You're listening to the Big Finish podcast, release date Sunday the 18th of June 2023. It's the start of one of your novels. You're certain? The first, I think. Well, oh, oh, for heaven's sake, don't, don't look it up. Not when you can lift the actual book off the shelf. <laughs> Good day to you. I'm Benji Clifford Nahar, back again. He's Nick Briggs, and he just won't go away. You won't. No, no. Um, this is Big Finish audiobooks, audio drama, and this podcast, all for the love of stories. Welcome back, Benji. Ah, oh, it's nice to be here in this very hot hot room it's ridiculously hot so i would just say if you can hear a funny noise on my microphone it is the fan blowing air into it i don't mean a doctor who fan uh, in a few moments we'll be chatting about the fourth doctor since that's what this podcast is mostly about tom baker after that, it'll be time for the Good Review Guide, known to some as the Good Review Guide. Oh, yeah. Reviewing the reviews of the Second Doctor, Companion Chronicles, and Thunderbirds, Operation Asteroids. Zoe Harriet, I'm sure brains will be able to stall for quite a while yet. Then we go behind the scenes with the latest Doctor Who release starring Tom Baker and featuring Louise Jameson as Leela and Neris Hughes as Margaret. And we're focusing on a truly magical story by Roy Gill entitled The Wizard of Time, featuring a guest appearance from the late, great Ronald Pickup. And that's released this Wednesday, the 21st of June. My nan had taught me never to talk to strangers. Following that, it'll be time for listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. Just send us an email. It's all the rage, you know, but hopefully not too much rage. We don't want to, you know, be, be nice, be nice. <laughs> yeah. In our also available segment this week, we're back with the fourth doctor to look at Stone Cold, a weeping angel story by Roland Moore, also out this Wednesday, the 21st of June. When we got here, your colleague had vanished into air into thin air. Then the randomoid Selectatron will once again be delivering a random release with a 25% discount beautifully attached to it by Big Finish content manager Jackie Emery. Hooray. Now I've got no clue as to what it is yet but uh, you know here's a time busting clip direct from the Vortex. Excusez-moi. And finally, as always, we round off the podcast with a free 15-minute drama tease. And this week it is, of course, from the Fourth Doctor Adventures, The Wizard of Time by Roy Gill. Got it. Reposa. Excuse me? Reposa, that's what's out there. What is Reposa? A highly evolved predator, legendary to my people. It was said their instinct to hunt was so strong it could distort the very nature of time and space. So the longest running Doctor is Tom Baker, and even for those of us who maybe don't name him as our favourite Doctor, there seems to be something extraordinary about Tom's place in the history of Doctor Who, doesn't there? Is that fair to say? Absolutely, well, he's sort of, he's the icon, as it were. There's a timeless iconicness about him. Yeah, people That's... still talk about Doctor Who's scarf and stuff, don't they? Even though the Doctor hasn't had a scarf for decades. Well, he, he, he transcends generations. I, I think part of it is because of that legend. And and so people's... people's Either people themselves or people's parents... Oh, wow. Did you hear that? That was a, no. a scaffolding falling or something. Um, people's parents have memories of Tom Baker being the Doctor. And then younger people 
end up being curious as to see what Doctor Who was like back at that time. Then they watch it. Then, of course, you realise that Tom Baker is actually brilliant. And then the legend repeats itself. So he has a timeless quality, I think. Yeah. Yeah, there's something... I think it's the fact that I think he's the only actor who played the Doctor that everyone, including the other Doctors, say is he. Kind of, it feels like Tom Baker himself is from another planet. He has a he has a way of looking at life and the world and people that is sort of unique. You know, you can never quite predict what Tom will do. I mean, after working with him for nearly nine years solid, I did get to a point where I had a pretty good handle on which way he was going to go with things but then he would always surprise me you know, he does he's, swer- he's, a, he's a swerver you know and you can you can go in and uh, and have the most out of world experiences with him you know recording is <laughs> I always say recording with Tom Baker is a whirlwind you know he, he fires on full cylinders and he really he gives you everything he's got in him uh, when he's recording and, and you <laughs> and of course you laugh all the way through yeah. and at the end you know you go away and you think wow you know that was that that felt like it, it it felt like five minutes you know in total but and you've recorded hours but yeah. um and he's a talented actor as well you know he's he's very very good at uh, one of the qualities i love in his doctor but his ability to be charming and funny and then switch it and be deadly serious yes. and say something you know to be that like a you know, the enemy or whatever it is that he's talking to he can be funny and then cut them with words you know uh the pen really is mightier than the sword of tom baker yeah he yes it's 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 Sometimes, you know, I think that uh, Tom, uh, certainly latterly in his life, has has a tendency to want to do everything in a kind of extravagant, irreverent way. And I think that my tension with him often was I was trying to veer him back to being more like he was at the beginning of his time as the Doctor, which is quite difficult. And he would... uh, he, he would do something outrageous and one of his catchphrases was was that too naturalistic you know when he'd done something completely mad and then obviously he'd, he'd want to do it again but then there would be times when say there was a, a really subtle quiet emotional scene coming up and I would think oh this is going to be a struggle and he'd just do it pitch perfect first time and they'd just say that was a very good scene wasn't it you know and so he was always always surprising me yeah, well, he has a he has a great understanding, you know. And one of the things I always like is, um, you know, I, I like it when actors question lines, not in a way like not in a questioning way, like what's this all about. But when he sits there and he'll say, he'll say, you know, I'm, I'm saying this here. Um, I think he means it like this, and mm. I'm just wondering if we try to convey it like this. And when somebody's actually that caring about. Because obviously everybody cares about their own performance, but he really cares about actually the character, and I think he he gets a lot yeah. out of being Doctor Who, and I, and I admire that quality in him because I think at least at least he cares. I mean, all you know, it's not to say that all our Doctors don't care because they obviously they, they all do. But what I mean is, as an example of somebody like that, I think it's nice to see somebody like that who still appreciates that. Yeah, I think he uh, he often he's not done this for the last few years as far as I'm aware but he often used to uh, care about other people's parts as well but in a very positive way he would suggest other lines for other people in the scene he said don't you think if he or she 
is thinking this shouldn't they interrupt me here and say that you know what i mean that kind of thing as well i think shouldn't shouldn't they have more to say about this it shouldn't all be me so which is you know because one thinks of him as having a towering ego and then you think oh well he really he wants the scene to work he's not just all about himself although as he always confessed he said that i don't i didn't uh, i don't read the other scenes because it feels like prying <laughs> just that's a very tom said, thing yeah he said well because i don't my character wouldn't know what was going on in the other scenes which is fair i think you know to, to sum it up one thing i think is that he is aware of the power of being Doctor Who and the responsibility that that has upon him, not just as as somebody to fulfil a character, not just somebody to fulfil people's expectations and memories, but also as as somebody who you know he appreciates the legacy there and 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 what that means for other people to be working with Tom Baker Doctor Who. So I think yeah. it's you know I think it's just nice that all this stuff that sort of marries together. But yeah, Tom's an enigma. Yeah, <laughs> he is a he is a man of so he many. T- he told d- me he was capricious. That's that's a, again, said. what a Tom word. Yeah, I, I said, why did you decide now to come back and play the part? He said, because I'm capricious. <laughs> he also said because David Richardson and I laughed at all his jokes, and he said he's very vulnerable when people laugh at his jokes. He loves. But of a, course, he loves. Yeah. One of his favourite phrases is that I shall employ here is "ready when you are, cock," which basically means uh, "get on with it." So, oh shall yes, we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's ready when you are. Okay, okay, sir. Yes, sir. The other one, I always love it when you say it. It means, Tom, it means stop. It means stop talking. He says, "Ready when you are." Ready when you ready are. When in you other are. words, carry on. I was trying. I was trying to get you to carry on by saying ready when you are. I was too distracted by the fact that there was a, a garbage truck outside making lots of noise so I, I, that's is why it bleeping I was lo- as well uh, it's bleeping I was looking over my shoulder that's why and sort of half half well, replying the, the listeners will hear all that I can't hear it because zoom is oh enjoy it listeners it was, it was if, if, any, if anybody really wants to imagine it in their mind <laughs> um, as opposed to in their foot um, it was yellow there we go oh, um, thank but you. now Let's segue on to uh, the Good Review Guide, finding the latest positive comments about Big Finish Productions to help recommend them for you. (gasps) And as promised this week, we're looking at the Second Doctor Companion Chronicles and Thunderbirds Operation Asteroids. Let's go Second Doctor first. Can you believe it it turned round and and came back again? (laughs) It likes you. It's like a wasp, isn't it? You know, it wants to come back and annoy you further. Oh dear. Sorry, listeners, it's so hot we have to have the windows open. From Big Finish Productions. I thought we'd seen the last of them on Scarrow, but here they are again, turning up like a, a bad smell. Could we have come back in time, Doctor? To before what happened on Scarrow? Doctor Who, The Companion Chronicles, The Second Doctor, Volume 3. Given name, McCrimmon, James Robert. Arrival date in Sora, 3rd of Sol, 2419. Shard implant date, 6th of Sol. No record of any problem with the procedure. Procedure carried out by the author of this report, Roisin Hunter. We sacrificed the last of our people, all except the few you see here, to defeat the Daleks. And was it worth it? It's very nice to have a visitor. Um, but anyway, it's not about me. It's not about that. It's about the Second Doctor Chronicles uh, and Thunderbirds Operation Asteroids. So just go to bigfinish.com and type Companion Chronicles into the search pane at the top to find a whole range of adventures featuring the companions 
of the Doctor. First up, WhoReview.com. The Second Doctor Volume 3 is a strong box set overall. Is an overall warning, Nick? Oh, goodness me. Oh, blimey. <laughs> That's better, thank you. How did I miss that? It's the, put it down to the heat. Oh, we did yeah, a whole no. thing on overall warnings last week with Ian. He was so impressed by my klaxon, he wanted to use it in a production. It I is a very good klaxon. I was trying to impress on him. In that context, it wouldn't quite work. Just imagine, you know, dive, 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 and then you just hear me going, it's, just, <laughs> it's not quite going to cut it, is it? <laughs> well, you know... I've, I've had stranger things um, taking the second talk to his companions into some intriguing new territory it's interesting how much the stories here stray from the companion chronicles template at times there's hardly any narration and episode 1 and 3 have many more characters than usual for the series given these stylistic changes and the lack of any announcement for further companion chronicles box sets it looks like this might be the end for the series, which is such a shame because it has because it has constantly been one of Big Finish's best ranges. I hope it's not, but if it really is the end, at least this box set is mostly an undeniable success and a good note to end on. Recommended. Yes, I remember last week that I said that George Elliott was the reviewer for whoreview.com because he came up in a, an email, but it's not George Elliott, it's George Hewitt. Oh, <laughs> you fool, you old fool. <laughs> anyway, so apologies to, to both Georges mentioned there, although one of them is no longer with us. Um, yes, uh, I, I believe, by the way, that there aren't any more plans for Companion Chronicles at the moment, um, but I'd never say never. You know, maybe one day they'll come back. Who knows? Uh, uh, Sue Davis from SF Crowsniff says that's quite a range for a little uh, old science fiction drama to take on, but it indicates the rich veins that the writers are able to mine to bring us unique drama. The simplicity of mainly two-handed drama helps a lot when you're not needing to retain who everybody is in your ears. It allows the actors to really bounce off each other, and considering many of these dramas were recorded with the director standing in for each part, it is a fine example of the apparent seamless productions. Oh, thank you very much, Sue. <laughs> well, next up, it's Thunderbirds, Operation Asteroids. Anderson Entertainment presents... Five, four, three, two, one. Thunderbirds are go. Raise your hands when I can see them, both of you. I'd take any risk that might help her ladyship. Sleep? Do you think I can sleep when three of my boys are out there facing heaven knows what? I'm sure brains will be able to stall for quite a while yet. I'm picking up a strange message of some kind. Thunderbirds. Operation Asteroids. By John Faden. Adapted by Ross Arrowsmith. Narrated by Wayne Forrester. Maybe they don't know anything's gone wrong with that robot pilot. I must go, Tracy. It's very important. But don't wait for me. I know another way out. Get cracking, Alan. Get the others away. That's in order.
go to bigfinish.com and type asteroids into the search pane at the top to find this slice of audio super marination. I mean, does that work? Would you like to type asteroids? I mean, I'd like to. I'll oh, see if I can. It. Why not, eh? Uh, on the Big Finish site, obviously. Uh, not I'm, just randomly I'm already on your computer. <laughs> just type asteroids, that. yeah, Google. Um, yeah, <laughs> Operation Asteroids is there. Excellent. It and, works. Yeah, <laughs> and a picture of us on the podcast as well for the 2022 24th uh, of the 4th podcast. Wow, what a throwback. First up, warpfactor.com, Matthew Kressel says, Thunderbirds Operation Asteroids is a joyous listen. Indeed, the highest compliment I can pay this release as a reviewer is to say that there were times I could close my eyes and imagine it unfolding in Super Marionation. And with a full cast release due out later this month from Anderson Entertainment and Big Finish, there's rarely been a better time to say, Thunderbirds are go! And give this audiobook a listen. Thank you, Matthew. SciFiBulletin.com Paul Simpson says, A much slicker production for an intriguingly unknown slice of Thunderbirds history. And that's 8 out of 10. Fair dues. Um, next week we take a look at the sixth Doctor Adventures, Waterworld. Waterworld. I'm glad you made that joke, because <laughs> oh, I, I, I would have made it. Um, I was making it on your wa- wa- Waterworld. <laughs> Uh, in case you're lost in the podcast or just need a reminder, I've got the map out, the podcast map here. Still to come on the podcast, listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com and we'll be going behind the scenes with the fourth Doctor Weeping Angels adventure, Stone Cold. <gasps> Plus, the randomoid selector, John, giving you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. <laughs> need I say more? Uh, Yes, I put in the sort of little explanation as to why you were saying all that because we had a complaint last week from Aaron J. Climbers who said, stop telling me what's coming up in the podcast. I know what's coming up in the podcast. You don't need to tell me. But sometimes some people might need telling. Some people flick through the flickers. This is for the flickers, man, you know. (laughs) Yes, there you go. Uh, Can you hear the seagulls? Goodness me. It's like I live by the sea. But first, let's go behind the scenes with Doctor Who, The Wizard of Time by Roy Gill and starring the incomparable Tom Baker. Hello, I'm Nick Briggs and I'm the director of The Wizard of Time. Okay, we're running and cue. If I could not match their hunting skills, I would learn from them, and then I would beat them. I admire your optimism. Never mind that. What do they want? What are they hunting for? Well, us, of course. They want my TARDIS. You know, it's good to do a story like this, although there isn't another story like this. But when I say like this, I mean that has a strange narrative quirk to it, doesn't follow the usual pattern. It's nice to have stories like this to sort of show extra imagination, new ways of telling stories. And also, it's a fascinating story. I'm Roy Gill, and I'm the writer of The Wizard of Time. This one, I think it had quite a complex development, actually. I think I started off really with the idea that I wanted to do a Tom Baker Doctor Who that had the feel of classic children's fiction, really. And I had certain things, probably images-wise, that I wanted to get in there. I wanted woods covered in snow, and I wanted wolves and a sense of danger. And I also was quite interested in an idea of a, a protagonist who'd who, who change across time. I think I had an inadvertent clash with another script that was coming up or something. And what turned out to be the solution was actually to kind of um, step back and look at it from the perspective of the of the narrator, of the boy, and then the man, and then the older man who keeps on 
on meeting the doctor at different ages. And I, I think that was really the, the key to the whole thing. Once I had that, I was quite confident about, about how to develop it, really. Tom Baker here, playing the doctor. I can't believe it's you. I've waited so long. Oh, that's quite all right. I often can't believe I'm me either. Well, of course, I loved it. But just because I love something doesn't make it easy for me to describe it because I don't want to be immodest. But, of course, I'm in a great number of scenes in this one, uh, which pleases me an awful lot. And I have some wonderful lines. But we've, had a lo we've got a lovely bunch of actors here. And as usual, it's been a happy morning at Big Finish. I associate Big Finish with being happy, not with Big Finish as in the end of things. By no means. He is, it's an overused word, but he is so iconic as the Doctor. Um, it helps that his voice is, is just so distinctive. I think, I don't feel I had to reach for his lines. I think you, you can you can hear, I mean, Lila as well, actually, for that matter, you can really hear those voices very clearly when you're writing. So th there's a great joy to that, really, I think, just contributing to his, his legacy, I guess, is the, is the way looking at it. I'm Neris Hughes and I play Margaret, who's a sculptress and a friend of Doctor Who. Does he really have to press all those buttons? Yes, I do. Flying a TARDIS isn't like operating a blender, you know. You don't just press start and try to duck the soup. That's not how a blender works. I know. I think it's fascinating. I think it's very interesting. I remember the very first Doctor Who on television I did and... I never quite understood it. It was um, called Kinder. And I didn't get all of it. And I quite like that if you've got to work out what things are. And I found with this, you kind of have to work out. I, I, I found it quite interesting. The key for me, actually, for Margaret, was I, I knew that uh, Nurse Hughes was playing her. And I, I went away and I also had a look at, because I knew she's partly inspired by Barbara Hepworth, the sculptor watched a documentary on Barbara Hepworth. I'm not sure that actually figured much into what I did, but it got I got a sense of the sort of work she did. And then I just, I kind of wrote what I thought an artist of a certain age played by Nurse Hughes would sound like. I, I guess I hit the mark. <laughs> so, uh, but it's lovely hearing her come in and bring the lines to life. Here I am, Louise Jameson playing Leela. If the Raposa are in that, then Jacob is too. The man and the boy. Mm, in a way... Then can we not let him out? Oh, yes, can't we save him, Doctor? Save him? Look at all these books all around the library. So many words, so many worlds. Magnificent. There's now a white garbage truck which has just uh, parked outside. How lovely. I'm, um, I'm really interested by your use of the American term garbage because I would say refuse. Yes. Um, I, <laughs> or rubbish. Rubbish. I'd probably say rubbish truck or d dumper truck. I'd probably. It's not a dumper truck, though. I don't know. Garbage truck, I guess. I just. It just. just garbage is a very American word. Garbage isn't it? is. It's like, you know, it's like I don't call a rubbish bin a trash can, though. No. Stick it in the trash. Shove it in yeah. the bin. Because, of course, all the, the British uh, Apple Mac computers say empty bin now. They used to say empty trash. Do they really? Empty bin? It says empty bin. If you just go up to the thing and see. I wanna, I'm on a PC at the moment. This what? Is, uh, I know, I know. I'm on, this is my uh, location gear. Um, <laughs> because I'm recording in a different environment to spare you all from building work. My desk keeps making a cracking noise because it's so hot and dry in here. The wood is just going... Oh, it's, it's it's not nice to be in England right now, that's for sure. Um, which reminds me, actually, 
but that enough of politics enough of <laughs> <laughs> yeah very true just go to bigfinish.com and type wizard into the search pane and no. you can listen to Roy Roy Woods wizard um, no just um, uh, type wizard into the search pane to find this one it's released on Wednesday the 21st of June that's this Wednesday oh I wish it could be Christmas every day and don't forget you can hear a free 15 minute drama tease from the wizard of time at the end of this podcast God, I wish it'd be Christmas now. It'd be nice and cold. Um, meanwhile, of course, it's time for... Listen's email. Or as we like to call them... Oh, they're taking over. Oh, no. As we like to call them, emails. Um, just send a, a podcast email to podcast.bigfinish.com and it might get read out or it might just get engulfed by whatever that noise Nick just made was. That's the email. I, all I can picture is that blob from um, The Three Doctors that just gets a little bit bigger. I'm just yes. imagining it just devouring all the emails in the room. A superimposed um, blob. Uh, at the end of the day, that's all any of us really want to be. Um, well, we got one here from um, Daniel Hughes. Um I was about to read out his email address. I'm not doing that. Um, subject, not that it's a rude one, but I'm just not going to be revealing people's personal details. Uh, subject of this one is narration controversy. Oh, here we go. We don't... Oh, oh I mean... Oh. Uh, hello, Nick and... Oh. Hello. <laughs> hello, Nick and Benji. Hi there. No, oh, I don't know, mate. No. Oh, it's going to... Ooh. Sort um, of, uh, yeah. of raffia bass. Um, I'm <laughs> one of those listeners who prefers the full cast format without the need of narration. Although, in its defence, it does have some benefits. Like the Lost Stories range with the first to third Doctors, where, at the time, it probably wasn't thought possible to recast them. It also works on the short trips due to its traditional audiobook format for the most part and the early adventures range to give the feel that these could have been missing episodes. But, and he, he's, he's very on it here, overall, it says in brackets, Q Claxon. <coughs> beautiful. I'm sure Claxon is spelled with a K though, isn't it? It is, like the band, the Claxons. Um, I prefer... I. Uh, well, that's because they don't write much music anymore. I personally prefer the full cast format, but keeping an open mind to how Dalek's Genesis of Terror will unfold and give an insight into how that original first episode of Genesis of the Daleks might have unfolded if it went another way. Which brings them to a question, which relates to a question I asked a while ago relating to the future of the early adventures. If there was a time that you'd resurrect the series, would you keep the part narration, part audio drama uh, format, or take it in another direction either way? Kind regards, Daniel Hughes from BBC News. Of course. <laughs> the laugh. Laughy emoji. Because I always say Daniel Hughes, BBC News. Hughes from it, BBC cause News. Because it, it rhymes and it's not true. But thank you for noticing, Daniel. Um, thank you. Well, the, I, my view on narration is this. I think it's a tool that may work in some contexts. Um, I, I think that when you're writing drama, if something works better in narration, you should do it in narration. I'm pretty certain I've occasionally put narration in. I think there might be, even be some narration in the Lucy Miller release. Uh, and to the death, that one, I think. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, uh, but I don't know if the early adventures were to come back, would we do that? 
it's an interesting question and I know that the uh, the narration in Dalek's Genesis of Terror has proved I mean far more controversial with listeners than it just occurred to me I just thought this was the best way to do it because it expresses what it is in the most accurate way so I didn't you know what I mean I, I'm not well, I th- really I th- I think caught when you... up with whether it's a good or a bad thing it's whether it's appropriate I think when you've got something like that particular Terry Nation script the whole point of it is to to showcase what that script was all about yeah i read it and, and thought so, we have got to put this in we have got to put these stage directions in because they are tremendous yeah and i think as well and let's be honest here like a first draft or initial draft of something unless and, and you know not always but in the most case is largely an inferior version of the final product that's that's just what things are things get rewritten because people think this could be improved or mm. this might fit are they so it seems more it seems for me it seems logical to have narration there to showcase what it is rather than do a full cast thing of it and basically just be making genesis of the daleks but not as slick so if you're going to do it do it full but i don't know it, you know it's all subjective isn't it really at the end of the day yeah yeah just sort of uh sort of you know subjective yeah Right, next up. Now, this is from Joe Short, Rewind or Die. Last week we were talking about um, blockbusters, Benji. Be kind, rewind, yeah. Yeah, okay. And um, we were talking about what the penalty was for (laughs) rewinding. And Ian suggested that they used to take you out the back and give you a good kicking. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, so just to explain for you, uh, Benji. uh, So Joe says, Dear Nick and Benji, and delete as applicable. With regards to the podcast on the 11th of June, as a former Blockbuster employee, I can tell you that people not rewinding their tapes was a major bugbear for us all. (laughs) The hours I spent rewinding tapes on our little rewind machine will never be gotten back. Uh, There was a charge on the system if you did not rewind your tapes but in my nearly 14 years there in my nearly 14 years there we never used it but i think they may have done in the states uh we did not give people a good kicking behind the bins as ian said it was a chinese burn next to the popcorn <laughs> offenders. oh happy days love joe shorts um uh, joe wants us to know that their twitter handle is the brain of spock <laughs> great, great Twitter handle. It's great, isn't it? Yeah, you where know, is I, Spock's brain? It's been lost again. I would say that I sent, this e- I, yeah, I sent this email to Ian just so he could see it. And he said, actually, I think a Chinese burn is worse than a good <laughs> behind the bin. It's been a long time since I've had a Chinese burn. You know, I saw something this morning about Blockbuster, yeah. actually, that popped up on my, um, on my Instagram, no less, shared by a friend. And it said, none of us really want blockbusters to return because it's blockbusters we just want to return back to the feeling that we had when we walked into a blockbuster and i thought that was actually quite a an interesting way because yeah there was a certain feeling when you go in there's a certain magic of going in and the possibilities of getting something well there was a fantastic uh, video shop for rental stuff where uh, i lived in london and it was an independent one. It wasn't a Blockbusters. And it was tremendous. They and often the, were. The, yeah, and the excitement. Yeah, but it's it so quickly went out of business. Like, it evaporated in moments almost, it felt like. But yeah, that was amazing. We yeah. used to have one in Bex Hill called The Video Club. 
and um, I was I mean I was like they're very nice to me in there there wasn't a large selection of stuff but my memory of it was always um, whenever I <laughs> whenever I used to rent out a video and I got home I'd open the the box and it would just stink of cigarette smoke <laughs> just everyone just stank of smoke and I think I think the woman in the shop smoked as well so that didn't help matters yeah. because everything just stank and I remember I, I bought an, an X rental if you remember those yeah, um, yeah discount of videos box, guys boxes, yeah. yeah big box yeah the big boxes and it was an X rental of uh, Muppet Treasure Island great film uh, underrated Muppets classic um, and I always remember it just never it never stopped smelling of smoke nobody smoked in my house I, I was too young to smoke um, but it's still it just I don't know well obviously I don't own it anymore but uh, no. you know you imagine when you get those you say, hey, do you want ash with that love she just well, there taps, probably was ash in the, the, in the ash tray. but I actually live above a video shop although it's it's been well, the video shop's been empty now for about two years but um this week they took the sign down and so in my little backyard um and i say backyard because it's a it's it is a yard i'm not being american um there is the sign that's there at the moment it just it says the video shack so um maybe i'll put it maybe i'll put it on my wall you know (laughs) reclaim it has it got snails on it no it's it if it was a more interesting um if it was a more interesting sign, I actually would consider that, but it's just like an aerial font. Um, although there's a great one in Hastings, sorry, I'm just going on about this. There's a great one in Hastings <laughs> where the old blockbuster used to be. They just took they just took the um, took the L away and put an O there, and they've got a place which is called Bookbusters, where oh, they yeah. with the same exactly the same branding, the same font, where they sell books. Really good idea. Yeah, Bookbuster. Thanks. But um, let's see what. Um, <laughs> Mark Bosleybuster says here on the subject of CD players. Uh, um, I've we got were talking a, about that as well. Does anyone have a CD player? I have a CD player. Um, right. I learned something really interesting about CD players, and I'm going to drag this podcast into the longer region for that. Did you know that all you know PlayStations? Yeah. The first ever PlayStation One now yeah. is more sought out for the fact that it plays CDs that are higher quality than it is for a gaming console. So if you have a hi-fi, you actually want to buy a PlayStation 1 uh, rather than getting a CD player. Wow. Yeah. What a boring fact. That, I mean, that is nearly interesting. <laughs> it is. It is. Well, I... I, I it's talk- so close to being interesting. I'm almost tantalised by it. It's, 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 you know, it's, it's moderately I can sort of interesting. imagine it. I can imagine the, the PlayStation. The lovely grey colour. Yeah, yeah. 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 There we go. Bra- I thought it was brown. No, it's grey. It was grey. You're colourblind. How can you tell? It's definitely not brown. It's. Um, um, hold on. We'll settle this. What <laughs> colour was the original play? If it's brown, my whole life has been a lie. <laughs> Let's hope it's it's grey then. Because I'm only peripherally interested. Let's have a look. It says it just comes up with Benji. Your whole life has been a lie. You are an. You are an. That's, this is the problem. Hold on, I'll just ask ChatGBT because that will <laughs> that will actually give me an answer instead of just, just these, instead of just all these pages of just absolute rubbish. Yeah, you see, this what colour was the original? Yeah, but didn't ChatGBT get something wrong the other week, and I challenged it, and it said you're absolutely right. I was wrong. <laughs> it does do what, that, but what, but what, but, what but if you it, see you. 
If it says red, then we'll know. Here we go. The original PlayStation console, also known as the PlayStation 1 or PS1, was released in 1994 in Japan and had a grey colour. Thank the goodness. console featured a distinctive grey outer casing with a black disc tray and buttons. However, it's worth noting that variations of the console were released in different colours and limited edition designs throughout its lifespan, including white, silver and various other special editions. But the standard colour for the original PlayStation console was grey. It's a huge relief to everyone listening, I feel. I think it is, Nick. And, you know, maybe you need to get your eyes tested. Is, is <laughs> the maybe, true answer to this. Maybe PlayStation's so unimportant to me that I don't really remember it correctly. I think I borrowed one off Gary Russell for a while. They are brilliant. Yeah. I, I, I could talk about that. He was all really for- bored with it. So he said, why don't you borrow this? He lived just around the corner from me. So I borrowed it for a while. And I just I used to just see how how long Lara Croft could hold her breath for underwater. <laughs> so that, that makes me sound like some kind of psychopath, doesn't it? That is sort of, I mean... I always just try to break the rules whenever I've played video games or just do, like, you know, um, when my son used to try and get me to play Minecraft, I just used to just take off and just go up into the sky. And he said, what are you doing? Well, you're meant to be building these. I said, yeah, but <laughs> I can do that in real life. I can't, I can't fly in real life. So I'm just <laughs> I used to go until the world of Minecraft was just a dot in the distance. And I, and I just wondered how far you could go before you like ran out of air or fell all the way back down again. Well, I, I know that t- Tomb Raider was particularly... Um unlocked a lot of sadistic qualities in people because what the franchise is largely known for the fact that there's this a butler that follows Tomb Raider around mm. in her home and nearly Played everybody by Chris Barry in the movies yeah, yeah well not in I don't believe in the um, in the actual game because all he really sounded like in the game was sort of <laughs> but um, the thing that everybody used to do was um, lock him in the freezer so you'd, you'd, you'd make it it took you ages to walk from her main room up the corridor open the freezer then you walk in and you wait for this decrepit old man with a tea with a, a tea tray right. to finally walk in there and then you leg it out and lock him in the freezer everybody did it everybody did it um so maybe we're all a bit nasty deep down um but hey ho this is a, a tangent on playstations for those listening um I could talk about it for England I could talk about colours for England like um, you know you said brown I always have a dream of classic Daleks in a brown colour always and it's always, they're always like painted like like, like. But I always imagine this same dream that it's always a dig site or like mm. a, it's either a pyramid or a dig site and the Daleks are dug up and they're brown and I always have that dream these brown Daleks always I mean, even when you're awake even when I'm awake yeah <laughs> But I, I can it, see. Are you having it, it now? I, I'm I having it right are. now. I can see it. In my, I can see like the 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 sort of slightly slapdash matte paint on them, and ah, oh, that's my dream. But yeah, there we go. What um, a dream! What a dream! What a lovely story. Anyway, CD players by Mark Bosley. Dear Nick and Benji and or guest podcaster. Yes, we've it's got the him. boss of PlayStation here. Um, <laughs> hi there. Um, hi there. I'm slow to respond uh, but I wanted to say I'm the proud owner of not one but two CD players one is a Sony and the other is a Technics Um, I know which one I'd go for Uh, both came from charity shops it can be a bit uh, hit and miss buying electrical goods from charity shops I know Uh, new CD players are still available from Richer Sounds you know Richer Sounds yeah, they're a website now. They used to have branches No, they, they still exist, and Tunbridge Wells has a richer sounds. Oh, well, we're not all going to Tunbridge Wells, aren't we? Well, they're, they're all, there's one in Truro as well, I know that. I noticed loads of clothes down. There used to be one at London Bridge that I used to buy stuff from. It's, all, it's gone now, it's gone. It's like I remember, a pie um, shop or something now. 
there was a band called the cool notes and they did the advert for richer sounds and it used to go richer sounds for the best hi-fi prices around um richer sounds yeah it's great um we once played it outside Richard says a long story um, and Amazon uh, if Amazon need any more of our money I think I'm right to say most DVD players will play CDs too correct that's true uh, and Playstations uh, I may uh, be <laughs> well, an abbreviation no, <laughs> we're stuck in a loop um, I may be an abbreviation as I'm a musician and a music nut um, which, which type of nut an uh, aberration not an abbreviation oh god <laughs> I did wonder what on earth that an aberration yes quite right um <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> I'm an abbreviation. I'm just. I'm just he's gone. Sure. He's gone. But, um, I'm abbreviated. Than, it would be better if you're an apparition. Um, uh, <laughs> but I'm old enough to have gone back through vinyl, tape recorders, and mini discs. Right? Oh, it mini says here, discs. min discs. Um, I don't <laughs> yes. have uh, much experience of reel to reel. And um, I think CD is a wonderful, durable medium. Uh, when they came out, I remember naysayers claiming individual discs wouldn't <laughs> last horses. more than a decade um, <laughs> because the ink would eat into the discs or some such nonsense. Rubbish, yes. I'm happy to report that the first two CDs I purchased in the late 80s by Kate Bush are still going fine. Well done. Uh, Ideally, I'd like to own all my big finish releases on CD, but like a lot of people, space is an issue. Yeah. Uh, early on in the pandemic, I finally got broadband, as I thought it would be quite useful to be able to earn at least some money during lockdown. I have Good to say, idea. I'm less of a CD fundamentalist than before. I'll quite often listen to the app for convenience, although I still think I get more from your great sound design and music through my hi-fi. Uh, in recent years, I've started buying a mixture of CDs and downloads, and even though I prefer CDs, if a day comes when Big Finish can no longer produce CDs, I can't imagine I'll stop buying from you. No. I mean, maybe you could, uh, you know, plug your... Um, get download, download the downloads on your phone, yeah. and then connect via bluetooth to your hi-fi that's what i do for a lot of things yeah um that's a very boring thing isn't it really um, no no it's very interesting there there in fact look at this what lovely story what a, what a lovely story there's my little bluetooth thing there i'm holding right oh, now to show yeah. nick it's the it's the the maker's pow um, whatever that is uh, it says it have you considered offering downloads in different formats Bandcamp the popular platform for musicians offers downloads in different formats WAV for better fidelity MP3s for smaller file sizes it might be a nice option for audio files just a thought do people still listen to things in OG format OG Vorbis there's no, like a, a plane there's a plane outside my shed just looping the loop and it sounded like it was going to crash <laughs> Yes, yeah, so we're coming in now. Yes, aim for the shed. If you're going to crash land, aim for the shed. <laughs> anyway, do carry on. Sorry. Yes, og og. Did you say og vorbis? Yeah, that's a good a good format. I don't know if anybody still uses it, but I remember it was very popular for very high fidelity sound. Um. But what do I know? Um, whilst I'm here, I'd just like to say how much I've enjoyed the Fourth Doctor adventures I've heard recently. Ah. I'm a bit behind, but I think Solo, The Nine, and New Frontiers are all great box sets which have been bro which have broken new ground in the kind of stories they're telling. Excellent stuff. Excellent. Um, all the best, Mark. Sent from my etheric beam locator. Ooh, uh. Etheric beam locator. Um, 
Thank you, Mark. Yeah, I mean, that, that's uh, Fourth Doctor stuff. John Dorney is the script editor and David Richardson is the producer. They do marvellous work, always seeking out new ways of telling stories. So I think that if they were to hear about your enjoyment, they'd be mightily pleased. They put a heck of a lot of effort in. Um, I'm gonna, that's all very interesting about CDs. Uh, there are no plans to stop doing CDs at the moment that's for sure um i uh i'm going to say something controversial i challenge anyone to be able to with their ears tell the difference between a very high quality mp3 and a wav so i bet like a 256 kilobytes is it um mp3 and a wav. I, I don't think people think they can tell the difference, but I bet those people, if I played them both and sit next to each other and say, You tell me which of those is the wav, they wouldn't be able to tell you. I would chime in and say, I know there is a difference, I know there's less data in it, but I think. I think for our format, for audio drama, I think it's very difficult to tell the difference. I think for music, however, I would be able to tell the difference really quickly. I'll, I'll test you the next time I see you in person. Yeah, please do, because. You know, it's the one thing that you can do, which I'll is distract then, you with one that's really low quality, just to ruin your power, just to mess with my mind. <laughs> if you line up a um, an MP3 and a, a WAV next to each other, you'll find that the MP3 finishes before the WAV. I of, know the compression, yeah. weird, isn't it? Um, it, is, it is. But for weird. the mo- for the most part, I mean, for for audio drama, I think MP3 is pretty serviceable, really. Yeah, yeah, you can, you could say. I mean, not the lower quality MP3, but the, if, the, and remember, the it's, it's they're both in forty-four point one kilohertz. So exactly. if you've if you've got, you know, for the, for the most part, you're not going to notice a difference. But at the same time, you'd be surprised how some things translate as well through hi-fi's. Some things just sound muddier through hi-fi speakers because they're an MP3 versus mm, a WAV. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. That's it for the emails. <laughs> That is what I needed to know. Uh, we look forward very much to reading more next week. You know, more controversy about CDs, maybe. Uh, Let's talk narration. about cassette, cassettes next week. Bring oh, it yeah. on, bring it on. Wow and Flutter, we'll call that section. Wow. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Wow and Flutter. Uh, my name's John Flutter. Um, <laughs> and my name's... David Wow. Fred Wally Wow. Blocks. I've got the point of this, John. Get him, get rid of him. Get, he's, he's rubbish. Get rid of him. No, get rid of him. Replace him with Mr. Mini Disc. <laughs> well, I'm sure as many regular listeners will know, the Randomoids Electron is currently gearing up at this very moment, preparing to offer you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. And remember, we'll also be teasing you with the first 15 minutes of the Wizard of Time, um, part of the latest, you have to say it like that now, part of the latest <laughs> series of Fourth Doctor Adventures entitled Angels and Demons, out this week on Wednesday, the 21st of June. Ooh, but first we go behind the scenes with Stone Cold, uh, the WWF wrestler. Yeah, is that right? Uh, uh, when new series Doctor Who Monsters, the Weeping Angels, meet a classic Doctor. Hello, I'm David Richardson. I'm the producer of The Fourth Doctor Adventures. When we came into Series 12, I uh, did the usual thing of thinking through what sort of old enemies we'd like to bring back. And I was feeling a bit cheeky, actually. I liked the idea of bringing a new series enemy into a Fourth Doctor story. Uh, we'd done that once before in a series called Classic Doctor's New Monsters, where we had the Fourth Doctor facing up to the Vashta Narada. And it 
worked very well actually. It, it was interesting to take a new series conceit and put it into a very authentic Thoth Doctor tale and marry the two together. It struck me with the Weeping Angels, we could do something very similar. Whatever you do, don't tell me you saw a statue like an angel. And don't tell me you looked away. Yes, why? <gasps> Doctor, it's in the room! <laughs> they are an amazing creation. I mean, like everybody else, I watched Blink back in the day and couldn't quite believe what I was seeing. It was a gloriously inventive, atmospheric, creative, wonderful, wonderful story. Um, I've watched it many times since, and the very idea of having them in a big Finnish audio story was just irresistible. We've done it a couple of times already. We've done it again in one of the classic Doctor's New Monsters tales and also in an Eighth Doctor story. But this gave us more scope. It's a four-part story lasting about two hours. And uh, it was a chance to have a group of very diverse, interesting characters trapped in one location with the Weeping Angels attacking from outside. It's a really traditional Doctor Who idea, but we're doing it slightly differently. Hello, I'm Nick Briggs and I'm the director of Stone Cold. (laughs) Here we go. And cue. I have the feeling we are being watched. I hate Someone is nearby. Well, I don't think anyone's here. I mean, why would they be? But you have a look. Go on, put your mind at rest. I wonder who she was. What sort of life she had. Yes, I wonder. I think one of the reasons that the Weeping Angels are so popular is that they are terrifying and also the, the utter terror they instill in the, if you just do something that you normally do as a course of your ex, in the course of your existence, i.e. blink, they're suddenly, they could destroy you, you know, or at least dislocate you in time by a, a ridiculously disproportionate amount. So yeah, I think that's what it is. And the fact that, you know, I know in the original story, blink, you know, there are statues everywhere. Uh, and that that idea that there could be this terrible threat around every corner. And it's such an intriguing concept. You wonder how it will apply in different situations, I suppose. Yeah. Intriguing, unfathomable, terrifying. Hi, I'm Roland Moore, and I wrote Stone Cold. I love writing for the Fourth Doctor and Leela. It's a sort of dream partnership that I've always yeah, grown up with. So to actually write a sort of um, Robert Holmes era adventure for the two of them was just like a, a dream job you know it's sort of one that I wouldn't mind not being paid for but perhaps I shouldn't say that out loud <laughs> Tom Baker here playing the doctor when we got here your colleague had vanished into air into thin air and whatever did it might still be here I love the improbability the wonderful, heroic improbability of Doctor Who, which is often terrifically funny, but also basically decent and and good and idealistic, isn't it? Of course, there's no one quite like the Doctor. He's, you know, he's a good man, really. And, you know, good men often don't make really good heroes, but he is good, he, and he doesn't like violence, and he has to cover that up sometime. And he wouldn't do a mean act or be unkind or be improper in his relationships with the the girls or whatever it's all so innocent and it beguiles the audience for that very reason isn't it they escape into Doctor Who I am getting letters now from middle-aged men who were watching me 
1974 or 5, when they were only about six or seven years old and are now in their early 50s. And sometimes their wives write to me lovely letters and saying, my husband loves you. And sometimes when he's talking about his childhood, he talks about how he loved you and how you made him laugh and inspired him. And now he's a consultant physicist or something. But what he remembers are those wonderful times of his childhood. And I suppose it is, because that is the power of nostalgia, isn't it? When, we're, when we are grown up, when we look at pictures of ourselves when we were young, or hear recordings of us when we were young, we are catapulted back, aren't we, in time. And so quite a, a lot of these people, therefore, when they think of me or see pictures of me when I was young or watch the old stuff, when they see those, those references, they become briefly children again. And that's a wonderful feeling to recapture those days when you were innocent and life was easy and you watched television together. And remember, just go to bigfinish.com and type stone cold into the search pane at the top to find this one. And remember, it's out this Wednesday, the 21st of June. In the meantime, though, it's... The Random Odd Selectatron, where we randomly select a Big Finish release and offer you a 25% discount on it. What have we got? We've got 245, The Muse of Fire. So close you can feel it's fire. The Muse of Fire. Yes, it's Paul Mars' story. Uh, I know a lot about this one because I did the music for it. So there we go. The Muse. Hold on. I'm not getting it. It's not. Muse of Fire. Yes. It's got that sort of Picasso like cover. Oh, yeah. It wasn't coming up when I. Yes, it's not called The Muse of Fire, it's called oh, I'm Muse so, of Fire. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's a me. very controversial cover. Yeah, we went for some weird stuff. Who did that cover? Uh, Picasso. Anthony Lamb. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, it's it's interesting. I also took a lot of the photographs for, for that. So, uh, let's hear the trailer. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Excusez-moi, this place is so busy. Would you mind if me and my friends joined you? Pardon, monsieur? At your table. Could we share it with you? Ah, oui. But of course. Your accent is very... French. Oh, oh, oh dear man, if I drop it, though, Chuck. Oh, <laughs> if that exhausts me keeping it up. <laughs> Doctor Who, Muse of Fire. Modelling for painters, eh? Me? What do you reckon? Who was this mysterious woman? I don't know. Was she young? Old? It's hard to say. There was something youthful about her. She was mischievous. She was glamorous too. She had this strange hat on and dark glasses. Oh yeah, blind was she? Yeah, cheers ace. By the way, Professor's found some kind of mystery to investigate, so he's happy enough. Here is wild time, so... We meet yet again. Do your worst. Consider the battle lines drawn. You'd really chuck away our old friendship. If needs be. So, so be it then. It's war, Doctor. I need to understand more. You want me to take down my black veil and show you my actual face? My face. It's quite inhuman. I wonder what you would make of it. No! Which one shall I choose? 
big finish. We love stories. That's your tracker, right? What are you tracking? Something I need to track. I've got the signal. Come on, Ace. Ooh la la, it's been a long time coming, but the Doctor is about to be reunited with Iris Wildtime. They're both in 1920s Paris and everyone's flocking to Iris's salon. But wait, what's that noise? Thud, thud, thud. It's the soft approaching feet of a small and acerbic art critic panda. (laughs) Okay, so there you have it. Who directed this? Um, Jamie oh, Anderson. Jamie Anderson, yeah. Was so it really? I think, was it Jamie? God. Yeah. And I produced it. That's why I'm so familiar with it. Yes, I did. I took on producing the Sylvester McCoy range for, I think, three releases and got Jamie to direct them. Yeah, that's so I was in a, a role that I don't often assume, actually. Oh, and Gethin Anthony was in it as well. Brilliant actor. Why hasn't Gethin been in it? He's probably, probably too Hollywood, I think. Yeah. Get in, Gethin. That's what I say. Get him in. Uh, Gethin uh, does a fantastic American accent Um, listen while I uh, email Jackie Emery content manager at Big Finish to inform her of our random selection so that she can set the offer live on the Big Finish website Benji given that it's so hot in the UK at the moment maybe you could cool us all down by imparting the know-how for listeners to get their 25% discount as though you were on a very cold (laughs) Scottish mountainside during a blizzard I could even add a sound effect for you later well, yes, it's uh, it's very cold here. The wind is blowing right in my ears and the snow, well, as you can see, it's getting in my eyes. Now, all you have to do is go to bigfinish.com. Whoa, bigfinish.com. Well, we're we're there. It's very, very cold, but uh, luckily me and the crew, we've all got coats on. Um, so it's not as bad, but I'd, I'd hate to be uh, I'd hate to be out here wearing a t-shirt. Now go to bigfinish.com, head to podcast. When you're on the podcast page, it says read more. You click read more. Oh, uh, it's getting quite nippy now. And enter the code buck up. It says just click here and enter the code buck up. Enter the code in, and you will get your oh, get your discount. It's a very you good way. You will get uh, your power. We, we will get the power uh, to to to, to f- f- fuel the fire. There we go. How was that? But um, I thought that that was a, a grand effort, and I look forward to putting some um, sound effects on it. You know, you know. I, I, I mean, I could have gone from freezing cold, but what I, what I, in my, in my head, I was kind of thinking correspondent on the side of a mountain. You know, like wind blowing everywhere. No, that's everywhere. what I was thinking. Yeah, you, you know, in a big, perfect. in a big coat. Yeah. <laughs> Bits of polystyrene was snow. Was it a brown coat or a grey coat? It's a blue coat in my mind. A great sort of, coat. Sort of, sort of purpley. Sort of purpley coat. It's similar to what Greg has in uh, in uh, sort of Survivors, you know. Oh, sorry. Oh, God, that, 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 I was going to say car. That plane's coming back again. What's going on? A lovely choice, round. Thank you. Next week's podcast out on the 25th of June. I can't believe that June's nearly over or will be next week. Uh, it's called Far From Torchwood. <laughs> uh, we don't know what we'll be chatting about, but I'm sure we'll think of something. The Good Review Guide will be about the sixth Doctor Water Worlds. Water Worlds so, to have a good time. <laughs> we go behind the scenes with the seventh Doctor, Far From Home, you see, hence the title Far From Torchwood, because also Torchwood. A story called Operation Dusk by Alfie Shaw. Listen to it yesterday, thoroughly enjoyed. No, day before thoroughly enjoyed it excellent well it's out on Tuesday the 27th of June Um, obviously we'll be doing listeners emails three new listeners emails just come in it just came in today just come in listeners Uh, three mails (laughs) 
just as I was talking just then I saw them appear on my screen uh, also available is Torchwood Among Us Part 2 and that's out on Thursday the 29th of June and Solid. there will be a drama tease of uh, Alfie's lovely story Far From Home uh, well, sorry Operation Dusk in the Far From Home box set I think I vaguely explained that I think you've vaguely explained it very well and very exciting very what, what a stacked uh, card we have for next week uh, in the meantime of course it only remains for me to say this edition of the Big Finish podcast was presented by me Benji Clifford and him Nick Briggs who also wrote produced and edited it and, and of, of course, course. <laughs> I just read your line and of course Benji and I did this for, for the, the love, love of, of stories, stories. And finally, on the Big Finish podcast, Doctor oh, yes. Who. And how do you say it? The Wizard of... What was it? You kind of have to go up. The Wizard of Time. The Wizard of Time. Beautiful. By Roy Gill. And starring Tom Baker as the Doctor. Jake? Jake, are you awake? <coughs> yeah, I am now. I suppose you're the latest. My new care assistant. I'm Moira Tanaka. I'm here to help in any way I can. Uh, I try to get me to quit my home, my library. By trying to sort things out... I've been sent by the Harmer Creative Trust to find a way to untangle... Trust? <laughs> That's a joke. They don't trust me to do anything. That must be frustrating. They were my words. You know, my stories. I'm not a child. So you understand that? Hmm? What's that? My pad. I like to take notes as I go. Oh, if I did that, they'd say my memory was gone. It's helpful, diagnostically speaking. Yes. Uh, you'll be wanting uh, tea, I suppose. Visitors usually want tea. I'm fine, thank you. It's good just to sit and dry out. Wild again, is it? The worst. They say we might have floods. Oh. You think this is bad? I remember a time years ago, back before the weather was always mad. I remember an August day when the woods turned white with snow. Sorry, Mr. Harmer, can I stop you? Huh? You don't want to hear my story? That's just it. It is a story. It's the start of one of your novels. You certain? The first, I think. Well, oh, oh, for heaven's sake, don't, don't look it up. Not when you can lift the actual book off the shelf. Yeah, by, by the window. Here? Hmm. Yes, the firsts. Before they printed them with that nasty logo. Dirk Forever and the Spell of Winter by Jacob Harmer. First published 2012. Long time ago. Mm. <laughs> At my age, everything is a long time ago. My father used to read me this. Did he really? Not this edition. We had the red ones. 
with the nasty logo. It's the words that count. Yes. Here we go. Dirk pressed his hand against the board his grandmother had used to fix the fence. There was something wild getting in, she'd said, scratching and scraping and sneaking its way into the garden. And now that same board was cold and patterned with frost, even though it was a bright August day. Carefully, Dirk lifted the board aside. Through the gap, he saw the woods. They were white, as if caught under a sudden spell of winter. That's right, I remember. That's a novel by Jacob Harmer, not Jacob Harmer's life. It's important to be distinct. That's the way I told it. The reality was different. A second biographical narrative... There's no record. There were things I couldn't put in books. I'm sorry, where are you getting this? Did you hear that? Must be a fox. Some kind of animal, anyway. Ah, perhaps. Or perhaps it's something worse. How do you mean? I think it might be time. I could tell you what really happened, Mr. Darker, back when I was a boy... Would you like that? Yes, if it would help. Only a chair closer. I'll tell you about the hunter and the sculptor. Yes? I'll tell you about the wizard of time. Set the scene. Uh, Woodland Loop, please, for Rome. That's excellent resolution. Oh, state of the art. Ah, I've kept myself updated. I could almost touch. I wouldn't, not unless you want frostbite. Come now, it's a projection. It isn't real. A story doesn't have to be real for you to lose yourself in it, does it? How do you mean? Just watch. Look, there I am exploring the world beyond the fence. Just ten years old. Like dirt forever, in spell of winter. But this is me. And the sudden impossible deluge of snow wasn't even the strangest thing I would encounter that day. You, child? Yes, you. If your goal was stealth, you have failed. I can see you. Do not be afraid. I will not harm you. The woman was dressed in leather skins, like something out of H. Ryder Haggard. She carried a hunting knife in her hand, but her expression was so gentle. I told her my nan had taught me never to talk to strangers. Then your nan is wise. 
But do the elders of your tribe not also teach you you should offer help to those in need? I had to admit this was true. I asked the woman what she wanted. Where am I? What is this white, cold world? I almost laughed. Didn't she know? If I knew, I would not ask. Do not be foolish. We were in the little bit of woods behind our house. I, I told her I wasn't meant to play here, but I often did. And didn't it look fantastic under all this snow? I do not know these woods behind our house. All I remember... I was in... I was in the TARDIS. The TARDIS is the Doctor's great travelling machine. I believed it to be magic until he showed me otherwise, using boxes and long words I said I understood. But really, there are things about it that are so strange. They do not seem like science at all. Whoa! Oh, bit bumpy in here, Doctor. The Doctor knows what he is doing. Do not worry. Does he really have to press all those buttons? Yes, I do. Flying a TARDIS isn't like operating a blender, you know. You don't just press start and try to duck the soup. That's not how a blender works. I know. You have to be attentive, persuasive. To caress it, it's more like conducting a symphony, isn't it? Really? What symphony was that? We must let him alone, Margaret. Communing with his machine brings the doctor great comfort. I have seen it many times. Ah, useless. useless. What That's... is wrong? Ah, we are not alone, Leela. That's what's wrong. How? We are in flight. Yes, in outer space, aren't we? We are in the vortex. It's inhospitable and never empty. Anything that can breach its boundaries must have considerable power. I know, like that of a Time Lord. Not exactly. No, even a Time Lord needs a sturdy craft to travel in comfort. <laughs> Just the odd one or two million rooms in which to hang one's hat and the occasional book. <laughs> Got it. Reposa. Excuse me? Reposa, that's what's out there. What is Reposa? A highly evolved predator, legendary to my people. It was said their instinct to hunt was so strong, it could distort the very nature of time and space. And I thought it was just a bedtime story. I should like to meet these Raposa. Mm, they'd make swift work of you, Savage. If I could not match their hunting skills, I would learn from them, and then I would beat them. I admire your optimism. Oh, never mind that. What do they want? What are they hunting for? Well, us, of course. They want my TARDIS. Oh, oh, we hit something, surely. Another ship? No. There is something outside. Oh. It wants to get in. Oh. It can't, though, can it? Not through the TARDIS doors. We must prepare to fight. I'm no fighter, Leela. You know that. What do we do? I'm trying to shake them off with some nifty moves. This could get rough. Hold on! Oh, oh to what? This isn't the London Underground. There aren't exactly handles. Margaret, have no fear. I will protect you. Stay with Leela. I may have to try something a little experimental. Uh, I do not like this. The walls! They're getting closer. In on us. Margaret, take my hand. Do not let go. <gasps> Can't reach! Doctor! Now hold on. Wait one moment. Why, yes, what's, what's the matter? Hmm? This, this TARDIS thing, 
You haven't explained about it, and already it's exploding or imploding or something, and... And Leela told me the hunter in the woods do keep up. But what is it? Oh, nobody knows that, apart from the wizard. <laughs> and even he wasn't sure. None of this is in the source files. But you'll find it mentioned in the wizard's box. A device of ancient power, a transport of delight. The wizard's box, got it. It's in the Dirk Forever text, but it's small. Portable, not a control room with flashing lights. Ah, artistic license. It's safer to change a few details. Safer for whom? No, it doesn't matter, not yet. What aren't you telling me? Uh, the point is, the hunter was lost. She'd been flung right out of the box and into the woods. As I fell, there was something howling in the dark. Teeth, claws, and hunger. Now I'm here with you, boy, and whether this is some new world or the great hereafter, all I know is I must find my friends. I told the hunter I hadn't understood half of what she'd said. She smiled. <laughs> I often feel like that. But the doctor has taught me to keep an open mind, and I know I can always trust my instincts. They do not let me down. Leela? Leela? Is that you? Margaret, where are you? Over here. Hang on, I'll chuck a snowball. Ow! Oh, sorry. <laughs> that was cold and hard. I didn't mean to hit you. Aim isn't my strong point. Oh, what are you doing up a tree? Are you sighting for enemies? I'm trying not to fall out, mainly. Oh, oof. it's ever so slippy. Oh, come on, give us a hand down. Very well, but no more balls of snow. Girl guides honour. Oh, what a place to land. I, I thought I'd be stuck there all day. I think you would have fallen out eventually. Oh, oh, just as well you were here to help. And who's this? This is Jake. He says we are in woods behind our house. Is that right? Margaret was not entirely surprised to see me. Uh, the wizard had a habit of collecting waifs and strays. Uh, Margaret wasn't entirely sure yet if she fitted into that category. These companions would travel with him for a time, and if they lived to tell the tale, they were always changed by their adventures. I think you should run home now, dear. I'm not entirely sure it's safe. Although... What is it? Well, look at him, poor lad. Look at what he's wearing. What is wrong with what he is wearing? Shorts and T-shirt in the middle of winter. What are his parents thinking? She was so concerned. It made me trust her. I had to say it wasn't my clothes that were wrong, it was the woods. Back at my nan's house it had been a sunny Saturday in August 1985. Time out of joint, eh? Well, well. The TARDIS is a time machine. And it went wrong when the Reposer attacked. You think they're connected? The Doctor says I must not jump to conclusions. But the Doctor is not here. We must jump without him. Don't suppose you've seen him, Jake. Tall man, big grin, dresses like he's lost a fight with a wool shop. There are tracks here, but they are not his. The shape is 
all wrong. Perhaps he landed up another tree. I hope it was a strong one. <laughs> uh, yes, what's wrong? I told Margaret my idea. If this TARDIS had caused the cold, wouldn't it be found at the very coldest part of the wood? Good thinking. And where the TARDIS is... We shall find the Doctor. Oh, I do hope so. Where is the coldest part? You say this cold is not natural? Yes. Then the animals that live here will have fled. I will examine their tracks and we shall follow them backwards. They will lead out from the same point. Exciting this, isn't it? Come on! Big finish for the love of stories.